<laughs> Welcome everybody to True Exact Show. I'm here with Dan, Eric, Brian. Our special guest today is comedian Sean Latham. You might know him from Barcelona's The Twenty Dollar Chef. How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks. Nice to be on your Twenty Man uh, Roster podcast. There. Yes. Uh, shout out to the audio guy who, who whoever. Luckily, you're doing Zoom, so you don't have to set yes. up 38 mics. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it, it became very beneficial and um, uh, was cost efficient. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> doing it. It's nice. Uh, what we like to do before we get into, you know, your time at $20 Chef and Comedian, uh, tell us about yourself, how you got started in comedy, man. I just got a job at the Improv, man. I started, I got a, I did comedy once before that, like an open mic, but I got dared, but I just got a job at the, at the Improv in Tempe, Arizona, and then I just started, those other fools were doing it. I you know, open mics, just amateur shit, but we watched it every weekend, we wanted to open, you know, you want... So I just started, they thought I was funny with them, and I, they just like, you should do it with us. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I started fucking doing it here and there, real slow, real slow you know, like, it's just a different ball game then to like now. Right. But, uh, you know, you, you're scared to go certain places. Uh, you'll go to only one place or this place, you know, because you're comfortable, that's what you've done. But uh, yeah, I just started working at the improv, bro, and I started really liking it. And I got some laughs, and then I was a rap. I just, that's all I wanted to do. Did you do well early? Like, right off the bat? You know, I I was lucky because I had a lot of friends. I worked at a I worked at a bar, and then uh, that was really popular at Arizona State at the time. So I had a shitload of people that would come. So they they laughed no matter what because they're my homies. Yeah, so yeah. it really made me feel like I was like, wow, man, I'm really coming. I'm looking the motherfucking year, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but but my shit was I was dog shit, you know. I, but luckily they patted me and uh, let me you know. I guess it's like equivalent to like a boxer, you know, getting like a, his first 10 pro fights or whatever, just like layups just to get his pad his record. Yeah. That's what my friends did. They padded my record early, and then I got knocked out the first round of the pros when I fought a real fighter. Yeah. <laughs> That's good that your friends are supportive. You know, a lot of friends root for each other to fail. So. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was hoping I bombed, I'm sure of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I used, to, I used to get a party bus. My, this bar I worked at, they had like this – the owners had made a shit ton of cash in these bars. So he bought like an old eighties RV and he uh, pimped it out. And it was like, for, it was like just for employees to reserve. And all you had to do, there was a guy that drove it and, and all you had to do was tip the driver, but you just had to request it like a week out or whatever. Cool. And uh, we, I would just get it and I would put a keg on it or some shit. And I would just get like 30 or 50, 60 people on it. I'd be like, yo, I got them all week long at the bar. I would just be telling people. Nice. And then on the, the day of the show, I'd roll in with a fucking party bus with like 50 or 60 people on it. That's fucking and awesome. then if it was a contest, I'm crushing oh. and I'm winning, you know? Or so I'm getting, been, you know, one of the finalists, so I always moved on, you know? Yeah, you like knew how to market yourself and audience before you were even big, man. That's fucking Oh, yeah, well, that's, just worth, that's that bar life, and it was really close knit. There was like 10 or 15 bars that all knew each other, kind of, you know? Yeah. Plus the regulars and all the students, it's all... Nobody left that area. It's like Tempe and Rule area right there, up to up to ten, up to Rule and Mill. If you know anything about Arizona State and Phoenix, that area that's like the ASU made area. Well, not now. A lot of they thought changes, but before there used to be a ton of bars. And I just uh, I, I never even went out with anybody. I just go out by myself, just get hammered. You no, know, I knew all the bartenders. They all you know, that's, that's the biggest perk when you bartending like a a scene. Other people yeah. come to your bar, you go to their bar. Nobody pays. You just tip. That's fucking awesome. I got into the wrong line of work. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'll tell you what. I, I still drank a shitload just as much as everybody else except I was making money instead of spending it. 
Right. Yeah. Sounds like a good fucking I mean, investment. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the route you want. I'm not like, <laughs> it's just that, hey, if you want to do it, well, it's just a little bit. I mean, I saw the mop and shit, you know, but I got, I got paid to get lit instead of, you know. You were wasted mopping like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get out of here. I did some dumb shit at the end. When I started to get really not give a fuck, I really. Can you tell a story or no? Some uh, one time, yeah, one time I was looking at this nightclub in Santa Monica, like one of my last bar jobs. It was probably like in 2000 and maybe six or seven or eight. And, uh, and it was this night, nightclub. And, and, and now during at, in the early evening, it was a dining dark restaurant. This cool-ass blind home, he had this concept in the back room. It's called Dining in the Dark. So you just go in there with your date. You pick fish, chicken, or sh uh, fish, chicken or beef. And this guy walks you in there, and you just – it's pitch-ass black, dark. So you just go in there, and you're supposed to, like – you're supposed to, like, have your other senses take over when you're on the meal experience or whatever. Uh, it was just cool shit, though. And uh, But then they would move all that shit out of the way. I mean, at the end of the day, you turn the lights on, it looked crappy. It looked like it was just some tables and some chairs, like, nothing nice in there because it was fucking in the dark. Like, no one yeah. cares what it looks like. You just got to sit down. And uh, so they'd move all that stuff out of the way. And then at night, it was a nightclub, and on one night at New Year's, we got hammered, and I was, like, already asleep before the place was closed, and I was supposed to be bar backing, and they wake me up, and uh, <laughs> he's like, you know, you got to fucking come finish, dude. So I'm out there hammered, for finishing my job, and then at some point during the night, they had all these, like, like, like nightclub ottomans, dude. They must have had 50 of them they didn't ever use. And so I was just hammered. I'm like, I need one of these in my apartment, man. <laughs> so, like, drunk as shit, almost blacked out. I, I grabbed this. I, right in the middle of like New Year's Eve party at this club, I take this thing out the back, and then I take it to my car and I put it in the back seat of my car. Right, and I cover up the clothes, and then I'm like, "Well, I can't leave my car here. I gotta move my car down the street, dude." So, in case the owner don't come out and see it with the fucking see me with his ottoman, and I get let go for stealing an ottoman, and I'm almost blacked out. So, I move my car around the corner down the street, and then I uh, get off work like three hours later or whatever. And I forgot I moved my car. And I forgot I stole the stupid ass ottoman. <laughs> so I'm calling the cops. You know, you know my car's stolen, man. I get... <laughs> and the cops like, Nah, dude, your car is stolen, bro. You're hammered, and it's New Year's, dude. You just don't know where it's at. He goes, It's probably a good thing because you try. So you, you sound like you shouldn't be driving anyways, dude. Yeah. And no. I'm like, My fucking car's stolen, dude. I know. I would know if I if I moved my car, then I work all my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and then like uh, I just went back into work dude. and the guy basically said listen I'm not coming out I'm not sending nobody you know if your shit's stolen we'll send out somebody tomorrow morning but if it's not you'll be you'll figure it out if it got towed cool if you moved it you don't know where it's at you'll find it but otherwise okay. it's still gone in the morning call us back so I went back in I sat there for a while all pissed off and until I, like out of nowhere like an hour later just like oh man I forgot it. oh no no I walked my friend out to his car and I looked down the block and I fucking saw my car park. And I'm like, oh. The cop was right, dude. I'm just a drunk ass donkey, dude. Did you bring the Ottoman home, though? You, Fuck you yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> now, you hey, another time I was, uh, there's a little, only other time I haven't ever stole shit in my adult life. You know, you do it all, we all do shit like here and there. And, uh, you're a teenager. But I was hammered in this building, this, this restaurant closed down. We were driving down the street. And then this dope-ass, big-ass planter, dude. It was huge. The thing was heavy as balls. and I'm So me and this kid, we, we get it over. We wheel it heavy as fuck for two grown men to move it. We get it into my car. We have the, the tree sticking out of the window. And you know, we're hammering like 2 in the morning. And uh, 
we get this heavy bitch back to my house, dude. We fucking, I go get a cart from the door guy. We get it in there, get it up there. But then when I moved, we were moving out kind of quick, and it was just too fucking heavy, bro. So I just left it. I was just like, you know, the landlady's, landlady's have to call somebody in, dude. This is some, like some city shit. I shouldn't even have it in my house, dude. We had this big ass tree, but I had a loft downtown LA, so it it was fit. It was big enough to fit in that bitch. I mean, I can just imagine like we we're three in the morning rolling down the street with like a tree six foot hanging out the back of a Honda Accord corridor. <laughs> That's fucking great. Hey, you talking about Arizona State? Did you grow up out there, or you grew up? You grew up out here and went out there. No, I'm from uh, born in California, but I lived in Arizona from uh, the age of 15 to 25. Right. So from like eighth grade, and then like, when I was 25, I left to go chase the dream in LA. But nice. I'm from Los Angeles originally, so I moved back when I was like 25, a little at the end of 24, 25. Uh, how much different is doing comedy out there as opposed to like the East Coast? Uh, well, once you get to a certain level, it's, it's, you know, you think it's different, but, um, you know, people laugh at different shit. It depends on how, you know, regional of a writer you are. If you write like, you know, you're fucking talking to your buddies, then you're going to have an issue. Hmm. People aren't going to know. You can't be talking about Wawa's in fucking L.A. Yeah. No one knows what Wawa's is or what they got going on in there. Right. Um, and, you know, vice versa, same thing. You know, but it just teaches you, uh, you know, moving around a lot. As a bartender, I, I, I funded my operation, so I would do shit even if I didn't get paid. I'd be like, I'll do that gig and fucking not. Because it made me feel like I was doing, oh, I'm doing comedy in, you know, Colorado or whatever. Mm. So I didn't give a shit. And, um, but I learned, but that way I learned because you can't be doing that regional shit. If you don't, if you can't be universal, then you're just, you know, you're just, you're giving yourself a ceiling. I feel and like a lot of guys do that. A lot of guys, they don't, you know, they don't, they don't have the motivation or they, don't have the means or they don't have the ability to travel so they stick with their fucking whatever it is they do and good for them they're still doing what they want to do i mean but you can't be major leagues like that that's for sure you can't be bombing in new jersey and killing in you know, utah only or whatever i feel like the crowds are more unforgiving on the east coast though like new jersey new york area like when you get up there and if you do poorly you have people in the crowds room and fuck you you know get the fuck out of here where i'm out in like Utah, you're not gonna get that, right? Yeah, you know, I never opened mic in Utah, so I don't know exactly. But I know, like in California and in Arizona, I've gotten fights on stage. I've gotten rushed. <laughs> I've gotten yelled at. I mean, I've gotten so that you know, fools are aggressive on the on the West Coast too. But um, it's just not as commercial that how they're they're aggressive as it is like on the East, like the East Coast. That's their jersey, you know. Yeah, like on the <laughs> West Coast, they're doing the same shit. You know, not Utah, maybe because they'll just won't they just won't come back. You know, it's like, well, that was not that good. <laughs> I think we'd rather we'd rather go to trivia night at Applebee's or whatever, right? Applebee's. Um, How's that? Yeah, compared- you know, but again, that but I also did a lot of bar shows and I did like a lot of ethnic rooms, a lot of black rooms, a lot of Mexican shows, a lot of hood rat ass white shows, mm-hmm. and a lot of bar shows. That's where you get your chops. So, yeah. bar shows of bar shows, you know. Uh, whether you're in New York or, or LA, the people are at bars getting lit and they really don't give a fuck. And if they're not, if they didn't buy a ticket to go see you. Like, like they don't have a ticket that says my name on it, Sean Latham. If they just, if they just need to go to a comedy, a comedy show or they're just going and they just end up in this show there, they don't give a flying fuck. You know, it's not, it's so different. It's like, you know, it's, it's not, it's just not the same. Like if they go to come and see you personally, they shut up. And they listen and they laugh and they're happy to be there and they're excited. They listen and 
you know, listen to your material, but other fools just sitting there like drinking a beer, like, yo, fuck off the stage or whatever, like, you know, <laughs> if you don't come out hot and just pop it. So how, how would you compare the uh, hecklers to maybe like a stoolie commentator on like your videos and stuff like that? Because stoolies are loyal, but they are fucking brutal when they're commenting on shit. The trolls. They're stoolies yes. and then there's, then there's barstool trolls. I wouldn't, you know, yeah, you know what? I guess they are still stoolies, but because, they, you know, they support some people and hate on others. Like I get a lot of hate. Mm-hmm. And um, the difference is they're not, they're hiding. They're not, like at mm-hmm. least a heckler. I can look him in the in the eye, bro. And if we you know like, we can both crack jokes, but at the end of the day, like if you want, but but honestly though, like if you want to step stand up, homie, like we I, I got 15 minutes left. We can go step right outside. I'll fuck you up, buddy. You know, like I've said that several times, dude. Like you've had one too many. All right, jokes enough here, man. We we had a nice little back and forth, but guess what? Um, if you want if you want to get really step this up, I will fuck you up after the show's over, homie. <laughs> But I'm going to finish these jokes and I'll beat your ass in a little while. Now sit the fuck down or get out, bitch. Right. And that's it, bro. You have to give them an ultimatum. See, and then on the internet, they hide behind burner accounts and shit. And yeah. They're little punk-ass people. And they're just like, oh, you know, like, it's, 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 <laughs> at least the heckler has the balls to stand up in your grill, you know, and talk some shit. Because that's when you yeah. lay it on the line. You have nothing to lose on the internet. Because you ain't going, what are you going to do? I don't know who these motherfuckers are. Yeah. They got two followers. They follow 50 people. <laughs> And they got like a picture of fucking Tiger Woods or whatever. That's awesome that like you're able to like, especially with like your comedy background, how you're basically saying fuck it, like it just bounces right off of you because it doesn't really matter. Like, well, no, honestly, it, it I've never gotten at that level like this last <laughs> year. It's finally kind of. I mean, I still get hecklers and shit, but like the uh, the love and the growth is back. <laughs> but uh, not for a while, dude. I was I was kind of blown away. I was like, man, this is a lot of fucking hate, bro. <laughs> I never had this many motherfuckers just going in on me, bro. And I'll go back at fools, but I mean, it's a, it's a fucking, it's a little bit, it's a little jarring. I mean, even for a, like I could stand in front of any crowd right now, it don't matter if it's at, like at the beach and people are sitting around, 500 people or at a you know, radio city or a bar or a comedy mm-hmm. club or a fucking whatever. Like I can do stand up in all those crowds, but out of nowhere, fools just coming at you, coming at you like you fuck, like like you just bitch slapped their mother, you know, with a fucking closed fist or something. They're like, oh, I, I, you know, that's it's it's definitely different mind boggling because you can't do it about it. So take it, and everybody yeah. can see you taking it, and they, you know, and, and they're da- and it's frowned upon to talk and take it, give it back. What's so the it's, what's it's the a worst, weird place? I'm not used to it. What's the worst crowd? Like I've asked this to comedians we've had on, like the bachelorette party, the bachelor party, the older crowd. Like, what's the one that you just is has annoyed you the most when you're on stage? Uh, you know, it's always different. Bachelorette parties definitely have a high percentage of, you know, things not going the right, you know, not going properly for the evening. Dudes usually just want you to bag on the homie. They don't really like. They don't look like like when girls are at a bachelorette party. They they almost. I mean, in a very you know polite way, it's like there's like a, a selfishness, like it's their night, and even though that no one knows them in the room, they still always feel like it's because and I get it, you know, it's their best friend getting married, and they're all fucking getting hammered together, and they're going bonkers and buck wild, and then you know, but they try to take away. They don't like dudes as groups. They don't do that. Like you'll just bang with their homie, and then you know you get and they all be laughing like they're on your side with you looking at the guy, you know. But like women, but like the bachelorette party, they'll be like a little bit more like, no, keep it on us. Right. Dudes just want to get their funny buddy bagged on a few times. Yeah. But girls like to be, they think like the bachelorette party thinks a part of the show. 
Hmm. You're like, nah, nah, you ain't, you ain't in the script, homegirl. But you know, you you still want to like help them have a wonderful time. So there's like a nice fine line you walk. Is the last thing you ever want to do is make a bachelorette party or any group of people having a good time get all pissed off and then blame you for their ruined night. Like, mm-hmm. especially a special night like a bachelorette party. You never want to do that. That's why there's like a fine line of having to play along and, and just enough to where they don't steal the whole operation from everybody. They get a nice little amount of attention. You know, you can do your thing and then, you know, but then, but the crowd will turn on them too. That's another thing. Like, all right, that's in the shut up, you know, yeah. the crowd will police it themselves as well. A lot of times. Right. Um, if you guys, I'd like to get into how you got into Barstool. If you guys don't have any more questions about the comedy thing. Yeah, I want to hear about Barstool. All right. Um, how did you get into that and the $20 chef thing? Like, how did that no, come about? I was through stand-up. Right? Really? Yeah, no, I was, doing a, I was doing a set one night for like 12 people at this club in Indiana, and I was on a, I was on a roll. And a couple of – one of the guys was Pat McAfee and his brother and his, and, and, uh, his mom or something maybe, I think, or his dad. And, I mean, I, had, I didn't know who he was. I mean, I heard of him, but I know who he was. And I, at that point in my life, I didn't really um, pay attention to football that much because I was just on the road all the time. Right. But I was always driving. I could never see Sunday ticket. or I didn't have – you know, I, I was always driving on a Sunday back somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I never could uh, really enjoy it. So I kind of football and sports kind of faded off in my 30s. And uh, – but then he came out, and I was just on a roll that night in. I used to have this joke about sandwiches, and it started off sounding sexist, but it was actually a very pro-woman bit. It was all about the dude having actually earned something in their life. And, um, and he just loved it. And, I, and uh, after the show, he told me how much he loved my energy, he loved my writing, you know, he loved my presence. And I was like, man, thanks so much. But I didn't know that he was actually out looking for openers for his theater show. So mm-hmm. wow. um, that was probably – I mean, that was one of the most important sets of my life and for 12 people. That's what you know. And uh, he, anyways, he ended up – we ended up sort of hanging out. Like, we started writing, and I started, like, helping him, like, with his – I listened to his stories, and I'd be like, well, this is how – you know, you can make that a bit real clean. Like, and then he'd tell me something he does, and i go, that's a bit, you know, and uh, he does a bit. And we start talking like that, and then we started hanging out all the time, and me, him, and Todd started hanging out all the time. And then uh, me and Todd were roommates, McComas. And then um, uh, and then we just started hanging out, and we started opening for him, and then we started doing – you know, we're like, you should be doing podcast. Like, you know, he's already doing stuff, but he was mostly, he was 99% football, 1% entertainment. And uh, so we started like, no, dude, you can you crush podcasts. Like, let's start setting this up and just doing it for fun. Mm. So we did. And um, and that's it. And then when he got hired at Barstool, he hired a team of people, and I was one of them. Nice. Good for you, man. Yeah. So that was like a year and a half later, two years later, whatever, he – a year and a half later, he got hired at Barstool. He retired, and then he just hired everybody. So and I was one of the last people. Yeah, how did the chef bit come to be? Like, were you a co-ed? Because the way you make stuff, it looks like you have experience doing it, even though it's under $20 and whatnot. But, like, yeah. I mean, you're very good at it. How did that come to be? Well, I just was cooking a lot at home for myself. Like, that's it. But that's when I started using Snapchat. Um, and, uh, I would just be at home fucking around. I had no friends really. I moved to Indianapolis and I really know that many people. I only like three people. So I was just home a lot. And I was, uh, I was always Snapchat when I was cooking, talking shit, you know? <laughs> and, um, but I started, you know, I started hanging out with Pat and I started getting more Snapchat followers and then I would do it. 
and they all loved it. Like I got a lot of love on it. And then uh, whenever I got hired with him, he was like, well, what kind of show would you do if we gave you like a video series? And I was like, well, I'll try a cooking show. Like I do it on a Snapchat. People like, seem to like it. And it's kind of funny. And then that's just, we started trying it and that's how it started. But it took like, it took like months and months before it started. Right. At first it was just going to be like a firefighter uh, going to firehouses only type show. But that was like, Pat was like, you know, it's a good idea, but it's too pigeonholed. Like, what are you going to just do? 300 different fire departments? It's going to like, they're all great dudes, but it's like, they're firefighters. It's not like, you know, you're not going to fucking improv troops. You know, it's not like, you know, you're getting the, the second city everywhere you go. Like, you have to have some kind of diversity in there. You mix that in to the show, but you have to have your own. So that's how we did it. I mean, it was, it was mostly Pat coming up with uh, a lot of the concept and idea after I told him that, you know, I just want to do a funny cooking show. So he was there all the time. Like, he'd watch, I don't know, probably the first 40, 50 episodes or so, at least the first 40. He, uh, he would watch all of them when we filmed, and he'd have input and insight and possible jokes, you know, and, and he'd hop in on it. It was pretty awesome. Was it all just one take? Is it still just one take or, like, different ones? No, it's two cameras. Uh, we just go. You know, we just go. Yeah. And – and, you know, sometimes we'll break. If it's like, if it takes like something 30, 40 minutes to cook, I'll be like, all right, this is going to be in here for 45 minutes. So then we'll just stop there and then we'll pick back up when I try to pull it out. But otherwise, it, you know, it's, you know, it's not like, you know, he edits it down. You know, it might take me 30 minutes to film or 40 minutes to film. It's only a five or six minute video. Right. Even the longer ones are like 10 minutes or, you know, if we go somewhere and do some cool shit, 12 minutes. No, they're fun, man. They're like just an average dude, like one of us, just cooking. I love the commentary in it too. It's very, it's very fun. Uh, how do you choose what you make? I wanted to ask you that. Um, you know what? I, I just, I just kind of like a feeling. I'll start off with like the protein first. Like, all right, well, or I'll see shit in restaurants, or I'll see shit on the internet, and I'll be like, I want to try that. Because some things I'm just too much. You know, like I can't be making a lot of shit. I'm not gonna be making. You know, like duck confit or fucking couscous shit like that like i might be able to but it just sounds like something i just wouldn't be making so i don't make it but a lot of times i just do a lot of research on the internet like uh you know what what haven't i done i'll, I'll go to like a certain meat or uh you know if it's gonna be is it fish i'm gonna go buy them on pork for a while you know i've been i've been only like 90 percent grill for the last three months so mm -hmm. i'm always trying to figure out something else to go in what well, haven't i done on the grill and as I, you know, I always think about where I traveled to, and I'll be like, "Well, I remember when I was here, they did this, so I'll get a fuck, I'll get one of those things, and I'll try it out." So just, you know, a lot of times I just, just researching the internet, mixed with my own shit I've seen, mixed with shit I see at restaurants, uh, mixed with uh, things that I see other people cook that I've cooked with, or, uh, you know, just it's a mixture of a whole bunch of stuff. But right now at the grilling, I'm just like, I'll see things on the internet a lot of times, and I'll just kind of give it a little twist. Or like if it's something I just like the Baker Mama, which was this really awesome page my girlfriend found, where I did that 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 uh, breakfast board for mo for Mother's Day, or like, no, for fa the Father's Day breakfast board. I had like donuts, eggs, and cake, like all this on a cutting board, like a charcuterie board for breakfast. And like that was a direct connect to that to that woman's page, the Baker Mama, who has like one hundred eighty thousand followers. And I just did my own version of it, like you know, I see as I research, I see other people doing that kind of thing, but. You know, that's where I saw it first, so I gave her credit because, like, I mean, it was – her page is unbelievable. 
right. with food, you know. So that's what that's kind of how I do it. Have you ever done like a crock pot one where you just like put everything in there and just get hammered for eight hours and then come back and then see <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> you know, I actually bought two crock pots last winter so I can have one ready. Because obviously I can't, like, my producer has other shit to do. We can't, we can't sit around and wait for a fucking crock pot to finish. So uh, I did buy two crock pots last year, and I did a ton of soup. But um, I, I, the one time, I, the only thing I didn't fucking do was use them. Because I bought one so I could make the shit early in the morning. I'd make two batches, obviously. And then another mm -hmm. one i do on camera. And then when, you're, when you finish putting everything in, you slide the other buddy in there. But I never, you know what? I was just too lazy, and I never pulled. I just, I just something about it. Even though I had two crockpots in my apartment taking up space, Jeez. just like I got a fucking meat slicer, like I'm at a deli because it was thirty dollars on the internet, and I had never used it once. <laughs> are you gonna but, leave? Uh, that, are you gonna leave them at your apartment or house when you leave? Nah. Like, the tree. because <laughs> <laughs> this deposit's too big, dude. This deposit. <laughs> I need to get it back, man. It's New York deposits, like. A down payment on a fucking house, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Has anything been has have you filmed anything that just came out completely awful while yeah. you were filming? Yeah. It happened two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. I was trying some shit. My my producer, he's telling me what I'm gonna do this thing his parents do. It's like these horseradish bacon wrapped fucking shrimp on skewers or you know, and I'm trying to make it look right and it ended up being a complete we we fucking scrapped the whole episode. Uh -huh. And uh but he didn't film it. Sometimes I film with my camera, like my girl or her son will be my camera, my second camera. Well, I, you know, I have this tripod like I'm using right now. Mm. And then I have, uh, you know, my second cam will be my girlfriend or her son will be like the producer or my producer. We can't, if we need one and he can't get there. Um, and we did it with those two, two home, with two iPhones. And, and I was all pissed off and I ruined it. I fucked it all up and we tried to refix it in the middle. And I was like, nah. And then we, I said it to my producer, I go, this is absolute trash-ass episode, dude. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't know how you're going to – I go, you've done a lot of miracle working, you know, with making shit, pulling it together for an episode, but I don't know about this one. Yeah. And then he was working on it and working on it. He's like, dude, I'm just going to tell him we're skipping this one, dude. Like, well, you know, was, he also had to get tested for COVID, so he couldn't come, so it was like an emergency thing. And, uh, and, and uh, we ended up scrapping it. We, we redid it. I was doing that shrimp and the steak and that steak sandwich episode that I did a couple last week that it did really well, but we redid it last week. Yeah. yeah. The one that I did was trash. We scrapped it, but I mean like stuffing when I first started this show, that was absolute trash that we had to redo. Like sometimes, yeah, just sometimes I just not very often, especially anymore. Cause it's like, I just don't do anything that's so far out of my knowledge that I'm mm. going to, that I, I that I'm actually you have to scrap an episode. Yeah. But it happens sometimes. That was really a funny video of like all the times you fucked up and you're just like, <laughs> not, like just fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, it, was so <laughs> it would be a lot. It would take my producer <laughs> so many hours of work to do that. <laughs> I fuck up a lot, man. That's but now it's, it's a lot. I'll tell you what, I watched an old video. Actually, I busted out. I cracked my phone. And so <laughs> I didn't have a phone for like, don't crack your phone right now, bro. Okay. Put all the protections <laughs> on your celly because... It takes like 10 days just to get an appointment to get it fixed. So like my shit was completely black and I was rolling the iPad mini on not with the, with the, with the Wi-Fi for like two weeks. Phone calls on it. Like. <laughs> yeah. Everything on that. But I couldn't talk to any of the Android homies for two weeks. <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, I, I, the first episode we ever shot was on it. I had it saved on there from like my iCloud and it, 
we watched yeah. it. I was like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> and we, no, this one didn't even go. It didn't even make it to the air or anything. It's like the first one where Pat was like, all right, you got two producers. Go do your thing. And we did it. And we went to, like, the butcher shop. And it was fucking – it was horrendous. I, I have to – I want to ask you, do you get free range – to cook what you want and say any like, do they give you? Do, does Barstool give you like your platform? Go do what you need to do. Has there ever been anything you submitted and they like turned it off, turned it away? Um, the only time that ever ever happens, they don't. I mean, they don't tell me shit, dude. Mm-hmm. I get to do all I want, whenever I want, however I want. I mean, that that it never once has Dave or Erica been like, nah, cut that out. Like, cut that part out. Like, no, that's never happened. That's just not how it works there, bro. You have complete, 100% creative freedom and control. That's fine. Yes, it's amazing, dude. Uh, But now, the only thing that that changes is if you get a sponsored content, right? So I'm lucky. Labatt Blue lets me do whatever I want. Labatt Blue light here, man. Why Labatt Blue? What? Why Labatt Blues? Just because they sponsor you? Well, you know, it's like, uh, you know, they go, it's like, you know, Barstool has all these products and all these companies are looking. What do we want to buy? They ended up buying a few episodes and it worked out well. And they liked it. They liked what we did and then they bought more and they liked what we did. And then last year, this whole year, they said, no, I will buy up the whole year, which is fucking great for me, you know? Uh, um, and I'm very thankful for the relationship with them. And, but they don't, they let me, they're, they're basically like Barstool, bro. Like, now, other companies I've done stuff for, we've had to redo stuff. We've had to cut stuff. We've had to hold episodes off for weeks at a time until they wrote off. They, ah, sometimes shit was too edgy for them, and we had to cut stuff out. Um, so th- there's definitely some companies. That's the only time it's been sponsored content because they're buying it, right? So, And their name is on it. So if they don't want me dropping F-bombs in on that episode that they buy, well, I got to do that. Right. I'm all right. I'm a company man. Like, yeah, I'm not, I don't have any principles to the F-word or – a dick joke or something like, you know, if they don't want it. Hey, listen, thank you for buying my episode. <laughs> Done. Like, I don't, I'm not going to be a tough guy. You know, I want, it's my show. So do they like pick a special guest for you or do you get like a pick of like who you want on your show as like a special guest, like Andrew Zimmer or like any of those guys? Um, I request people. I do I do throw names out. Like I sent over a list of names that I would like love to have. You said two lists. You said your dream list. Like, if it didn't matter, anybody could be on your show. And then you send a more realistic list. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also if there's guests coming in, like for a promo run, they'll, so, you know, I'll get an email of like, uh, these people, these are a possibility. Uh, do you like these people? And I'll be like, yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. So if those people agree, then, then, we, then, we, then they come on as a guest. Who's still on that dream list for you? Yeah, who's like Oh, man, so many people. Gordon Ramsay. Fucking. Oh, my God. He'd be the fucking best. Who's one? Not to downplay like you, but who's one you think on your dream list that's actually obtainable? You could like actually get. You know what I mean? Well, you know what? Honestly, like I had Aaron Aron Sanchez on my shit. He's fucking co-host of MasterChef. Nice. So I, he, it's him and Gordon. Good. Uh, I hope you get him. That'd be fucking awesome, man. Yeah, I mean that's a long so shot. Cool. Um, I think I think Aron was running a book. He was doing a book tour, so. <laughs> you know, I had to be the cooking show, and you, you slide down in there with me. Um, now, I'll tell you what, there's so many uh, – like the all – I mean, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be Jordan awesome. all day. Is there – is, 
Yeah, who what? who have you had on that you um that you were handed to that you like someone got you on for someone got them on for you that you wasn't on any of your list and you had such a connection with them you didn't think you would. Was there anyone you were like iffy about? A, a lot of people, dude. Uh, yeah. I'm really good. like um Andrew Zimmern was awesome, man. We had a really good we had a really good vibe. Uh D Duff Goldman. That guy was dope as shit. We had a really good vibe. Uh, my man Luke Rockhold came on, but I mean, I, I kind of knew him before. But you know, he's been on a few times. Um, a lot, a lot of people. Met a, a, Jericho was awesome. Yeah, you know, so many people. Joe Coy killed, but uh, uh, one of my faves uh, was J um, Jim Brewer. Yeah, uh, kids of yeah. Yeah. But I've had like such a fanboy for him, like because I when I was like nineteen and eighteen, I got a job at the Improv, and like, I was already a half baked maniac, like. Yeah. When that movie came out, we knew every word. You know, you smoke weed and you watch it and shit. You know, you quote it all day. And then I got a job at the Improv, and he was working. He would come in, and he was headliner. And he, you know, I was a wait. I was a, a food runner, and so I knew him then. He was doing Goat Boy. He was saying, "Oh, fucking doing, all, yeah, you man." You know, he's doing all his stuff in the hallways. So I had like a really like, I just had this huge fanboy for Jim, for him. And then for Jim Brewer, so that was, but he he crushed. We had a good time. A lot. I mean, uh, Aron Sanchez was awesome. A lot of people are really fucking cool. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, Adam Richman. I talk to him every once in a while since the show. Like, I might talk yeah. to him more than I mean, as like on a text level, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he was cool as shit. But honestly, every most people have just been really. Some people are a little bit more, you know, not as uh, camera forward. You know, mm -hmm. some people are more entertainment. They know how to bang that that when the light turns, you know, when the light when the record light goes on, they go into, you know, they go into fuck some shit up mode. And some people aren't as, you know, extroverted, but still awesome, you know. I noticed that about your personality. You're very like uh aggressive. Like it's like fun in your face. Where do you get that comedic style from? Was there influences you had? Um, I don't know. I mean, um, I, I just felt like I, I think that after doing stand up, I've done it like I've done it laid back more, and I just don't. It just doesn't do it for me like it does when I'm like just letting it fly and feeling my energy. Like you know, everything's about energy. Everything's energy. So that's like my favorite compliment that I ever get is not about my material or anything. It's like, nah, I love your energy. That's all. Because yeah. that's what makes people want to. You know, they want to come back. It's your energy. You don't give, a lot of times they give a fuck what you say. It's that's it's your energy. Right. Um. This can be be on board with your shit. That's it. If they like your energy. Um, you know, I love Martin. That was my guy growing up. Like, so I, I loved his energy and it was just something about it. It was like infectious and he had a smile. He's talking shit. You know, he's looking at the crowd, just clowning <laughs> on people or clowning on celebrities and then all his movies and then like run, tell that. And uh, his other one where he's got the all black leather on, which I can't think of the name right now. His other special. Either way, I don't know. I just, I just, and I just feel the, I guess once that happens, like when you project your shit out there, people pick it up way more, man. People want to be led. They don't, they don't come there to lead. They come there to be fought, to be you know taken for a ride. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it just I guess, whenever I saw the different effects when I got up there enough times where I started to come out and started to feel it and started to happen, uh, that's that's what was successful. So I felt it. Like it's, there's, a, there's a difference in the room, but I've been stolen my mind up there just sitting back talking. And then people just staring at you like, what are you doing, dude? Like, and that ain't my shit, you know? And I, that's why I, I tried it for a good strong year. I had two, 
Felipe Esparza and Edwin San Juan, Google those fools if you don't already know them. They're hilariously yeah. popular, funny comedians, but they were like my mentors for years. And uh, they could smoke a pound of weed, go up there and crush. But I just, I couldn't do it. Like, yeah, I just I tried. They're, they're I laid back. Bobby. What? They're laid back, though. Yeah, but lower there's, still, there's still an art form to it. Because oh, yeah, 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 definitely. I, I, I just can't. I mean, I would just bomb ugly, and finally, I finally had to be like, "Man, I can't, I can't smoke weed with you fools for for the first couple hours for a show, man." I after I get off, I'll blaze all day, but I'm just up here bombing ugly while you and, and fools are thinking I'm just out here getting fucking charity sets because you guys are crushing and you're bringing me along, and I'm bombing ugly, I got like that third wheel in war zone, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I stopped, and it kind of just, and it definitely was an improvement. I, yeah, I hate to hog all the questions. I know my nice. comedy, my comedy career was short lived with two sets. Brian down here still does comedy, so Brian, if okay. you have any questions for him, uh, go for it. Uh, well, I mean, you pretty much like answered most of the stuff. I mean, being able to get out. What there, city you in? Uh, I'm from North Plainfield, so oh, I, okay. You know, um, my like girl has family up there. There's a stress factory that's over here. Well, I know all the clubs. Like, what about yeah, the bars and shit? How long have you been doing those? Uh, shit, about two years now. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just. I mean, getting out, like, you getting out to like Jersey City and stuff like that. Um, Brad, I've done a great room down there. There's a downstairs room over there. Brick in the corner with Ger Gerard who runs it. What's his last name? Uh, I have to see. It starts with an H. Haran. Yeah, Haran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. A, I did a show with him one time. Yeah, yeah, he had a really good room. But so two years, what are you going? Well, I mean, outside of COVID, how many times a week were you going on? Uh, I was doing three times a week. All right, that's good. That's that's good. Three, four. Yeah, you know what it was? I was getting. I would work out my material at open mics, and once a week, I was getting like paid spots. Yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah. Wherever it was, I was gonna go. Whether it was like ten bucks, whether it was twenty bucks, I didn't give a shit. It yeah. wasn't about the money. It's just about getting on stage and the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the open mics—that's that's always that's the best because you can't get any better practice than that. A lot of people say, "Well, if people want to have a real reaction." Yeah, but that's where you learn how to like thrive in the misery of not actually of it not working very well. Because even yeah. if your buddies are in the back going "ha ha" or whatever, you know, like that's where you have to learn, and that's where you really become something. Because once you can be in there, and not really care if the shit's going. I mean, you care, but. It doesn't stop you from doing yeah. your shit, like, because you know if you ain't doing well, and then you you can fade off there for that last few minutes. Like, yeah, this don't matter anyway. These fools think I suck or whatever. I'm bombing, so you just coast on and ride the wave off into failure. But uh, when you learn that in that room, you know the strength to to continue to like hit them with another one, hit them with another one, mm -hmm. hit them with another one, and then you don't change your energy and you keep your energy where it's supposed to be, because. Uh, you know, it's it's never the crowd; it's you. Like that's oh, why. Every time. Anytime anybody blames the crowd, like yeah, of course there's always gonna be a bad crowd or something. A crowd that's not as good. But overall, like I gotta take full, like I take full responsibility. If I don't do well, I'm like, man, yeah. it wasn't the crowd; it was me. I didn't crack them. Everybody's like a safe, right? Like, they all got a combination. Yep. And fucking, you either figure it out or you don't in that time frame. So yeah, just keep grinding the bars and that's well, you, know what, you, know what bars. The thing, you know what the thing too with the open mics a lot of times it's just comedians that are there because. Yeah. Everybody going up, trying their shit, and comedians are the hardest ones to make laugh. So, but you also know, they got a lot going on. They're like they're thinking about their oh, material yeah, and their 
everyone's got their friends. Fucking, yeah, their head in their notebooks and shit. Then they turn. Yeah. Their, so if you can go do an open mic and make comedians laugh and take their attention, like you know those jokes are gonna kill on a regular crowd. Um, well, I think there's I think there's some truth to that, but I also think that no, because comedians have such like a lot of them, depending on the group and where you're at, like what's the scene. But I say that, that there is truth to that, but there also is truth of comedians might be laughing at something regular people just don't even understand, or they don't they, they're not seeing it the way comedians see it. I see it as open mics if they laugh and they don't laugh is that I'm just getting the words out. I'm I'm, I'm getting yeah. practice saying it with people listening. So that, you know, if I have to fuck it up or if I have too much I'm saying, I'll do it then. And then I can, I can record and listen. It's just another opportunity to, to talk yeah. and get the material out. Um, the bars are where it's at. You know, the, now, if you can get bars rolling and going, then that's, that's what's up because that's yeah. another level. Open mics, yeah, it's great. You start getting laughs and doing work there. But people get comfortable in there and they never make it out because they're making people there laugh and they can't work yeah. in the real spots. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, it's, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason, but you have to do the open mics because number one, how to operate while being uncomfortable. Also to get the words out and mm -hmm. also to meet people to get real shows. Yeah. See, the thing that sucked, I got, I did a show at um, the Broadway Comedy Club in New York. It was in December and I ended up booking uh, five or six more shows off of that one. And it was all for like the end of March. All through yeah. April, and the guy was giving me dates in fucking May, and I took them all. I was like, "All right, they're all Friday nights, Saturday nights." I'm like, "Oh shit, this is fucking awesome!" Yeah, like, "Oh, I'll have you middle. You could do twenty minutes. You could do like twelve, whatever here, there." Yeah, sounds great. Yo, I'm all fucking jacked up about it, and then COVID. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I started finally getting weekends at Funny Bones, and then fucking COVID. Yep. I'm like, man, dude, finally get on. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the hardest thing I've ever. You say you go up there, that's how you thrive, and then or it's how you retire and never go up again, which is my case. So <laughs> yeah, so you, it, it works either for everybody. You'd, be a, you'd just be a soft ass hoe because you know. <laughs> I'm honestly like so pissed off. I was like, Fuck this! I'm out. Fuck you all. <laughs> Fuck this. And I'm, well, it, ain't no it ain't no joke, man. It's funny, it is a joke. It's shit I've ever tried. Hardish, I say this to everyone. Like, we mm -hmm. rapped. I used to, I could freestyle, spit bars with any group. I, comedy was such, I, I can't even put people's mind into it. The horror when you didn't get the laugh is the worst thing of all time. Yeah, that's what I was saying a second ago. Yeah, I was, was learning how to operate in that, uh, in that, in that realm. It's like, it's, it's, it's a weird place to be, dude. It's, it's a weird place to be trying to be funny and you ain't being funny. And people looking at it like, you ain't funny, but you're like, well, I'm going to keep trying to be funny. And then I'm, here's another, some more non -fun, unfunniness. And you know, yeah, it's still ain't funny. And then it just goes on for five or ten minutes. Dude, I, one time I bombed Russell Peters. You know who Russell Peters is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of the biggest comedians on the planet. He's my homie. And he gave me a set. He was in New York. He's like, yo, come do a set at Caroline. All right, cool, man. And I was on fire, dude. I was killing a lot. And I went up there to his crowd, bro, and I bombed. Like, it was fucking chirping, bro. Like, Bert. Like, it was bad, bro. Oh. And I, but I just kept on hitting him. Another one, another one, another one. And I'm just like, you know, I'm gonna, I'll give a fuck, man. Like I'm doing. What did he say to you afterwards when you he got went up there? And he goes, I don't understand what just happened. I love that <laughs> kid. He's funny as fuck. And you know, he made fun of it. Uh -huh. But it was, you know what? That's just how it works sometimes, man. Like I just couldn't crack him. I don't. 
my shit was they weren't feeling my shit and that that's just how it works sometimes like problem is people don't think about music they need to think about comedy like music like everybody clumps comedy into one all right you're all in this little area like this is it here you are this is comedy but technically like pandora's done it but it's it's there's probably just you know there's got to be at least 20 genres of comedy like different like some people who like hard rock don't want to hear fucking poet you know poetry with you know flute jazz flutes behind it or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah. that literally so happened to me last week up. too with like um, that like with with rap music like i always thought rap music was like just one yeah. genre of rap and then like last week i was like holy shit there's different yep. things of it and then like yeah. from talking to a rapper i was like it's mind-opening i thought yeah, he was i don't want to hear fucking i don't want to hear some mumble rapper I'm yes. like, uh-huh. <laughs> like my favorite double cd of all times tupac all eyes on me that's my level that's my fucking threshold of like greatness that's what I want to hear, not you going. Like, <laughs> that's I don't. Yeah, it's all rap, but it's not. It's the same thing. Comedy, fucking rap. You know, regular music. It's but people like to you know they clump it all together. But yeah, you just gave up, homie. But you know what? That's not your vibe. Like, it's not I me. Wish. It just wasn't me. It just, honestly, it just wasn't for me. I, I, I just couldn't do it. I don't like. I didn't me, like. I the think feeling. like how bad I wish I could freestyle rap, especially yeah. against somebody in front of people. Like. Dude, you could have paid me to try to do that, dude. Like, yeah. I, just got, I don't have – it doesn't click. My, my skull don't click like that. My brain ain't hitting it. But yeah. on the comedy side, you put me in front of any – I mean, I'll, I've done shows in the street. Like, San Francisco used to have – there used to be – I don't know if it's still going on or whatever, but in San Francisco, like, this outdoor show. And it's, there's no speakers. There's no nothing. It's like – it's a train station, like, downtown – somewhere in San Francisco. And they draw – they chalk off a circle, and everybody sits around it. Uh, Indian style, and then you just like when that when that person gets off, you gotta you gotta get in there, bro. You gotta like fight to get in the wow. circle, and then it's your turn to do a set or do, play a track. Do they now? And is I, it like Duck Duck no. Goose? Do they tap you and you go in, or you no, just you just gotta you gotta, go you gotta make it happen? You gotta get in there. Ooh, I like that. No, I got, yeah, I got a really cool picture of that night where I'm standing out there with my beanie on, all stupid and shit, like doing a <laughs> doing a joke. And it's just a bunch of fools sitting around, like, Indian style, like, waiting to fucking pop in there. But there was other people that weren't trying to pop in that were just watching. A lot of homeless fools. Like, there was, it was a wild little – it's a cool little show they had in there. It was just, you just jump in. <laughs> I want to I touch on really quick because this has been kind of – it kind of went a little viral. The fastest no ever in Barstool history. Where you oh, texted, yeah. <laughs> 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 I have to ask. You texted Portnoy. You were like, can I, I come up with yeah, yeah, you DM them. Can I come up there and cook? And literally within a second, no. That's it. Yeah, now, no. When, you, when you message them, were you like, uh, this is going to be great? Like, <laughs> I was like, well, because we're, we're, we're always been cool, dude. Like, we don't bag on He don't bag on me in public and shit. <clears throat> really, like, we don't get down. Like, we're not, we don't really have that kind of friendship. Or he never, I didn't come in that way, like, as a fucking, you know, as like a little punching bag boy. Yeah, and I was I came in and I, whatever like separately and my shit was already selling so he like I had contract talks with him like he you know and I had like it's always been just cool so that shit caught me off guard but, and I have his number I have his email like I could but I had just seen a tweet with him and watermelon I'm like dude let's fucking do some let's make you some watermelon drinks or some shit you know <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of drinks so I just fucking hit him with I was just you know in my house doing my thing on the computer and then uh. I was like, I'm going to hit him up real quick, dude. This is going to be good, bro. Some more sponsored content. And then, and then before you could put your phone down, it went, <laughs> said, no. 
Because <laughs> he's, probably, he's, no. probably on, he's probably on vacation up there just, like, sitting with a drink. Like, I don't want to be bothered. Like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, oh, he said, no, motherfucker. No. <laughs> oh, that's okay. great. But then you're positive you came in, man. That energy. Yeah, hey. really. Hey, bro, That luckily I, I got that good-ass gif of me getting knocked down by Smitty, bro. I can just plast that on there, bro. What, what, like, you did the rough and rowdy thing. Like, what, what, how do you guys pick? Like, who gets in there? Uh, you just got to fucking throw your name in, bro. You got to jump in the circle, homie. Yeah? Nah, <laughs> I wouldn't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's just you know what happened? I was already training with Chris Lytle. Okay. Before I started working with Pat at Barstool when I was doing stand-up only. I was just training. I was doing jujitsu boxing training like three, four days a week just to keep myself in shape. But I was like, those guys in India at that IVG gym, in the morning, like all the fucking real fighters are down there. They aren't, they're not fucking around, bro. Like, this isn't like, it ain't like a title boxing class where you go and got a guy telling you to fucking hook, hook left, hook, hook right, and all that. Like, mm-hmm. you fight dudes. Like, you fight dudes. And then that's how, like, Chris Lytle would fight. You know, listen, is he, is he like, like probably fighting his little six-year-old kid? Yeah, but, but he'll still, they'll still fucking pop. You know, like, he'll give you a pop. Um, but, uh, so I was, like, already into it, dude. Like, I already been dropped a bunch of times. I started doing jujitsu. I'm getting choked out 10, 15 times a day minimum. Um, and I'm learning from really good guys, and I'm really going. So I got to a point where I would be the, the guinea pig, right? So these other pros and stuff would bring in their, their, their rookie homies. And then they would just like, all right, you guys go at it. And they got to, they gotta, you know, like, all right, you know, don't go full on. Don't, don't go fight in the street, you know, but, but go, you know, let's go. And, uh, <laughs> Dude, it was it's scary, man. It's it, it, every day I went, I was like, I don't, why am I do? What am I doing? I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, why am I do? I don't want to fight this guy. <laughs> and I got my bell rung a bunch. I got dropped a bunch of times. You know, most a lot dropped by a lot of body shots. Hmm. But uh, but then it started getting awesome. I started getting a little bit. I started feeling myself a little bit. You know, I'm getting a nice little fucking little something going. And then they bring in these other dudes, and I have a little confidence because they don't. I have more training than them. So then I'd be able to work, you know, jack them up a little bit. You know, I'd catch – but I'd also be in there. Like, I'm not trying to be like Floyd Mayweather, you know. <laughs> like, you got to be in there ready to, like, take hits. Like, because you want them to also feel the feeling that when you spar against somebody that you're friends with, that when you, you can hit them. Like, dude, hit it. You, like, I want you to feel what it feels like to punch somebody in the head, bro, in this place. We have headgear on, and, you know, we, we got gloves. And that, you know, that way, like, you, you get your shit wrong, but – that way you're also letting people get the feeling because it's a different feeling of when you're fighting somebody that you don't have nothing against. Yeah, it's got to be weird. Sparring, yeah. I said to Dave, Dave said something about it. I go, I'll fight, fight him up for Rowdy, bro. And then he just threw my name out there, bro, one day. I, he didn't ask me nothing. It just came flying out after that first – after the Hank and Tex battle. Do they make you sign anything? Like, or oh, are you I just – yeah, I would imagine, right? <laughs> God, God yeah, bro. No, there's liability shit, but they also yeah. like cover it. if you get hurt. They cover it. That's but good. um, yeah, yeah. No, there's liabilities. You you know you got to do a liability waiver. And uh, I the hate- last time I the second fight, I had to get all kinds of extra tests because I was forty. Shit. So I had to get like an MRI. I had to get like all this other <laughs> shit. Oh man. Um, yeah. Hey, yeah, I did a whole bunch of extra stuff for that one. Sean, we have a final segment we do here. Um, if anyone doesn't have any more questions, you guys good or? 
think I'm good. All right, we do a final segment here. I know you guys at Barstool have the answer to the internet. We do something like it, the gun to your head we have, um, but we try to do more wordplay. This isn't your pancake waffle type thing. We try to, like, you'll see how we do it. Um, so we ask three questions each. At the end, you have to pick a winner, okay, on who had the best question, okay? Okay. So I'm going to go first, all right? Um, would you rather make cheese graters as a job or taste – or, or have a job taste grating cheese. What the hell is? All right. Would I rather make cheese graters or taste or grate cheese? Yes. I'd rather make. You know what? I, I would. I would end up hating cheese, so I'm gonna go ahead with the cheese grater. All right. Your response saved me on that because I stumbled a bit. Thank God. All right. Yeah, yeah. You really fucked that one up. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it's shit's nervous. We keep score here. Okay. World renowned. You own the number one nicest grill for cooking, or you own the nicest grill for your teeth. Oh, cooking. It's not even not even okay. not even a it's not even a close second there. That's a, that's a landslide victory. Oh, well, I'm getting crushed here. All right. All right. Would you rather fight Razor Ramon or a guy named Ramon with only a razor? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with Razor Ramon because you don't know what the because that's gonna be some sort of uh, you know he's strong and all. But I'm not sure he's a real good fighter, but that fool Ramon in the streets you don't know what he's up to. <laughs> right, all right. He's got a you mysterious background. I'm not too happy about this. God damn it, I've been slacking lately. Uh, Eric, you go. You're up. All right. Uh, would you rather only eat Chef Boyardee or be a chef at Arby's? Arby's, dude, all day. <laughs> I can only make those fucking you guys, and I can only make Chef Boy or D. Ravioli. Fuck. Okay. Or, okay. or I, my option is either only make Chef Boy or D. Raviolis or fucking cook at Arby's. Yeah. I'm going Arby's all day, dude, because you all can mix this. and match. If you work there, you can mix and match everything, bro. And your twenty and your twenty dollar budget would be able to cover the whole goddamn menu. Yeah. And they got great chicken restaurant. and they got fresh ass those jelly meat. Curly fries are yeah. awesome. Yeah. Fries are on, on point. Yeah, the <laughs> sauce game is strong <laughs> there. You got Arby's commercial. Arby's is sponsored by Arby's. Coming twenty twenty one. The oven mitt loves Arby's. Okay. Okay. Would you rather burn everything you ever make or be sunburnt every day forever? <laughs> I'll be sunburnt forever, dude. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, I, can't be, I can't be cooking and just burning the shit everything. You know, no one's going to eat it. The show would be gone. There'd be nothing. Yeah. I'd rather just suffer and cook good food. Okay, you're, uh, you're hosting a dinner and your life depends on it. Would you rather cook poutine, poutine for Putin or duck confit for Kim Jong Un. I'm gonna go with poutine for Putin all day. <laughs> all right, I can figure out the gravy, bro. I'm like gonna no confit. <laughs> poutine for Putin. All right, all right. Cool. Brian, you're up. Would you rather Would you rather brush your teeth with water from your toilet or drop your phone in a porta potty? I'm gonna drop my phone in a porta potty. Leave it, bro. <laughs> yeah, you get. He's okay with the ten day waiting list. Yeah. Yeah. I got an iPad mini. I was a crack screen too, but fuck it. <laughs> All day. Uh, would you rather be allergic to the sun or allergic to sweat? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be allergic to sweat all day. I can still go out in the sun and kick it, dude. Yeah. Stay in the shade, you know what I mean? Would you, would you rather live in a world where finger guns shoot real bullets or fist bumps cause real explosions? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think uh, I'd rather live in a world where fist bumps cause explosions because that would take at least two people to have the nuclear code for that to happen. <laughs> Finger bullets, fools are going to be just can go loose, you know, oh, like, like they can right? with regular guns. Dan, finish no. it off. All right. Would Dan's, you rather... not, Dan's pretty new at this, so like this is like his third show, so give him a little break here. Would you rather have MLB pitchers throw 100 tomatoes at you or be – I have one potato to the face. I don't know. That's horrible wording, but tomatoes, potatoes. Uh, is it a guaranteed hit with the potato? So a guaranteed hit to the face with a potato, but you would have 100 tomatoes, right? Maybe the worst question of all time. <laughs> I think uh, – that potato's going to – that might break some shit, dude. And it's but MLB pitchers throw tomatoes at you, so – Yeah, but also – Mashed potatoes – a hundred tomatoes is a lot. Dude. Exactly. And you don't know where that could hit you. Could hit He's trying to like justify him playing up. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know what? I might just – I might just – I'm going to have to get it over with, go with the potato. Just I got shit to do. Okay. <laughs> I can't sit around with a hundred shots, Dan. <laughs> All right. Next one is eat an entire horseradish or dig up a radish the size of a horse. I'll eat the horseradish, dude. That's a big-ass piece of horse. I'll be too tired to dig up that big of a fucking anything, okay. dude. Would you rather spend $20 a day with Rachel Ray or be beat down by Bobby Flay? I'd rather take a beat down from Bobby Flay. Right. Okay. All right, um, I'm going to get a shot in, though, for, uh, for Ari Gold, though, because he tried to take his lady. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who, my name's Eric, by the way. So you gotta pick a winner. What question one, man? Um, see the tomatoes. I'm going overall. I'd have to go. Let's see. Um, uh, I'm gonna go Eric, Brian, Dan, what? and then and then you're last, homie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the worst. <laughs> tomato, <laughs> potato. Yeah. This is. Rigged, it's horseshit. Everyone needs to know that. That means, like I say, when I lose, it's a good thing for everyone because it's an equal opportunist show. Not, oh, you know, I'm not paying the guests to make me the winner. It is what that it is. Rough. Hey, that Sean, rough. thanks for coming out. Hey, man. if you would have floated me $40 on Venmo, bro, you would have been first place. Yeah? <laughs> I'm not above that. I'll get, a bottle, I'll get a bottle of whiskey with that 40 oh, man. Hey, thanks for coming out, man. Really no problem, appreciate it. Thanks for asking me to come on.